This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's pray. Father, we do come to you now because we're so needy. And you can meet all of our needs this morning, Lord, and so that's why we come to you, and we pray that you would teach us now from your word in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you all please would like to open your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 10, we're going to cover this morning two verses, verses 24 and 25, and so it's going to be simple and easy to read, and it won't take a long time. Okay, Matthew chapter 10. Verse 24 and 25, everybody got it there? All right. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Those are our verses That's what we're going to focus on. Now, in this passage here, what's happening, what we've seen so far, is the Lord is intensely interested in reaching all the land of Israel, all the Jewish people, with God's great invitation to come and be saved. It's like it's Noah's time. There's the ark, the ark of salvation. He wants the people to be saved from the judgment of God, from the condemnation for sin, for the sentence of being cast into hell. And so the Lord has chosen his very special 12, and they're going to go out as his representatives, and they're going to bring this life-saving message to the people that he has sadly called, in verse 16, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he doesn't want them to fail. He wants these 12 to be successful. So in this chapter, it's a chapter of preparation. He's preparing them before they go out. He's preparing them for what they're going to encounter. He's preparing them by warning them. He's preparing them by equipping them for what they need to know in order to face the challenge and be overcomers. In no way does he ever, in this chapter, tell them to retreat 
in the face of danger. In no way he's telling them to run away when opposition comes, but he's telling them to hold their ground, fight, and he wants them to know, behold, verse 16, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, they're going to come to know this opposition, and they're going to see this opposition, and they're going to understand that the opposition that they're going to face in no way can be explained on human basis. This is not simply a human hatred because what he's doing here is he's enlisting them in an army that will encounter spiritual forces beyond themselves and that they must learn this lesson that the Bible teaches, 2 Timothy 2.24, where it says that we, them, we, as the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, be patient, and meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This is the point. The people that he is sending them to have been caught in the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. That's a description of the souls that they are being called on to come and rescue. And the devil's not going to easily give up his prey. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be spiritual powers of darkness that are going to be at war. In this battle, what he is telling them is that it's worth it. The battle will be a personal attack on you. You will feel it. And the battle, you will never forget these words of these chapters, essentially what he's telling them. You'll never forget these words. Because these words contain the words of God from him to his disciples. They're going to hear now and they're going to keep in their mind rehearing it and rehearing it and rehearing it as they go into battle. It's going to be sort of like the Ephesians 6 preparation, Ephesians 6.10, where it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickednesses in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So now, as he's preparing them for this battle, he is reminding them in these two verses of their position to him. He's reminding them of their relative position to him in these two verses that we just said here in verses 24 and 25, where he talks about the disciple is not above his master, the servant, uh, nor the servant above his Lord. He talks about if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more are they of his household. So in preparing them for the great conflict, the great war that they're going to enter into, he wants them to cement in their minds the exact nature of the relationship that they have with him. They'll need to stay, if they're going to be successful, if they're going to stand, if they're not going to fall in this battle, they will need to stay within the realms and within the limits of three relationships that he is defining here. 
in these two verses in order for them not to be crushed. These are three wonderful relationships that will define them. These are three relationships that define who they are, who we are. These relationships will are giving them, these 12, their new identity. These relationships give us our new identity. These three wonderful relationships in these two verses will define for them who the Lord Jesus Christ is to them, who the Lord Jesus Christ is to us. And knowing who they are and who the Lord Jesus is to them will set a fear for them uh, with limits that they must remain within for their lives. And this is going to make them to have a wonderful new title, a wonderful new title, which is given in 1 John 2.14. I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. That's the new title that they will be known by. They will be overcomers of the wicked one. If they stay, they will be overcomers of the wicked one if they stay within the boundaries of these three relationships that are given to us in verses 24 and 25. And then they will be, if they do that, then they will be described by Zechariah 10.5. And they shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. And they shall fight because the Lord is with them and the riders of the horses shall be confounded. They will be described what it says in Malachi 4.3. If they stay within the bounds of these relationships and ye shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. They will be defined if they stay within the bounds of these three relationships by Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If they stay within the boundaries of these three relationships, they will do to their spiritual enemies what these verses have said. Zechariah 10.5, they will tread down their enemies in the mire, in the mud of the streets. In Malachi 4.3, they will tread down the wicked. The wicked are going to be as ashes under the soles of their feet. And in Luke 10.19, we just saw where he says he's going to give them power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy but only be able to do this treading down of their spiritual enemies if they are able to stay within the bounds of these three relationships, and then they'll be overcomers of the power of darkness that are trying to overcome them. Only if they stay within the boundaries of the three relationships in verse 24 and 25. If they are to the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus is to them as laid out in these three relationships in verse 24 and 25, then they will be, in Romans 8, 37, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And if not, if they leave their position, if they go outside of their boundaries of the three relationships in those, these two verses, their assigned relationships, they will sadly become what the Bible describes in 2 Peter 2, 20 where it says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled person who was overcome by the evil one. That's just how important these three vital relationships are to the disciples, and that's how important 
these three relationships are to us that we must stay within. Three relationships that define who we are to the Lord. Three relationships that define who the Lord is to us. Keep those three relationships and we win. Lose those three relationships and we lose. Three relationships that are as vital as life and death to us. Now, he defines the first vital relationship for us in verse 24 when he says, the disciple is not above his master. That's the first relationship. Verse 24, in this first vital relationship, they, we, are called the disciple, and he is called their, our master. Actually, the Greek word here for disciple means learner. It means student, and the Greek word here for master means instructor or teacher. So when we look at verse 24, we have a much better understanding of what he is saying when we look at it and see that he is actually saying in verse 24, the learner is not above his instructor, or could be the student is not above his teacher. In this vital relationship, we stand or we fall based on whether or not we accept and take our position in this relationship as the learner where we see the Lord as the teacher. What does that mean? That means that a person cannot be a learner unless he sees himself as needing to learn. A person cannot be a learner unless he's eager to learn. A person cannot be a learner unless he sees himself relative to what he doesn't know as knowing nothing compared to what he must learn. A person cannot be a learner unless he comes to the Word of God, the Bible, with a heart that yearns to learn, that hungers to learn, that thirsts to learn. A person cannot be a learner unless his personal motto when he comes to the Bible, is Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3, where it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. A person cannot be a learner unless he comes to the word of God and said, unless I receive teaching, unless I receive instruction from the Bible, I will die. I need this teaching from the Bible more than I need my food for my body to live. A person can't be a learner unless he has that motto, unless he has that attitude, unless he comes with that spirit. A person cannot be a learner unless he wants to take what he learns and use it to change his life. He wants to see his life molded by what he is taught. Like David said in Psalm 86, 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. 
Unite my heart to fear thy name. A person cannot be a learner unless he says, teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. In other words, he's saying, I'm not learning just to get information. I'm learning to change me. I want that information to change me. It will change me. God will make sure it does. But that's how I'm, one, I'm collecting this truth. A person cannot be a learner unless he wants the knowledge to change his life. That means when we come to the Lord Jesus, we must know that we need to learn. There's so much we don't know. In fact, we are more conscious of what we don't know than I'm conscious of what we do know. So the person who thinks he knows a lot and he looks at the Bible and he says, ah, oh, yeah, I know the Bible, or he looks at life and he says, ah, oh, yeah, I know life, he's not a learner. He's not a student. He's not a learner. He's not a disciple. That's the first relationship that the Lord Jesus has laid out for his disciples and for us when he said in verse 24, the disciple or the learner is not above his master or his teacher. And the reason the Lord Jesus states as his first relationship is because this is first and foremost. There is no going anywhere unless this one is set right. It's the most important relationship. It's the relationship of the believer as the learner and the Lord Jesus as the teacher, the believer as the student. That's our identity. That's how we see ourselves. We are the learner. Color us learners. Color me a learner. The student and I, we learn from the Lord Jesus. Woe be to the believer who opens up his Bible and says, I already know that. I know that. I already memorized that. I can start. The, you start the verse, I'll finish it. And then he yawns in a boredom and says, there doesn't appear to be anything new for me to learn. I already know. I've been a Christian for so long, and all this is for new Christians, for baby Christians. I'm a mature Christian. I'm about as old as the paint on this building. So when the Lord sees that kind of response to God's word, God says, I really can't help that person. I'm sorry, because he's failed in the first relationship, which is to be a learner and for me to be the teacher. So verse 24 helps us to see ourselves as learners and the Lord Jesus is our teacher. I love the hymn, and you do too. We come, O Christ, to thee. And one of the stanzas in that hymn says, Thou art the living truth, all wisdom dwells in thee. So that statement about the Lord Jesus, it lays out so beautifully our relationship with him. We're students, we're needy, we need to be taught truth. We come to the Lord Jesus as the living truth, and as students, we see that all wisdom is in him. That's the first of the three vital relationships that the Lord has said that we must have with him. And if any person fails in that first relationship, he'll wash up, wash up on the shore, uh, having lost the naval battle at sea with the powers of darkness. And Satan trembles when he sees a humble believer do what Mary did, the sister of Martha, in Luke 10.39, where it says, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is the sister of Lazarus. And when her sister Martha asked the Lord to get after her for not getting up and helping with all the work that needed to be done, the Lord Jesus responded to Martha, saying in Luke 10, 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So what was that good part that Mary chose that was not going to be taken away from her? 
Mary chose the part of being a learner, a learner from the words of Jesus, and he said that he would not take that part of her being a learner away from her to make her a server. Learner is better than a server and that Martha wanted to be. He wouldn't take it away from her. That's the picture, learners, sitting at the feet of Jehovah Jesus. Uh, that's a picture of the saints, but learners at his feet, that Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy 33.3, Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet. Everyone shall receive of thy words. We are the student. He's the teacher. That's how he knows us. He knows us as his student, just as a teacher knows the students. So there's Scott. He's a teacher. He knows every student that comes into his class. And if there's someone who comes into his class and he doesn't know him, Scott will know it. And so when there are those who come to the Lord Jesus with all their good works that they've done for him, and they say to him in Matthew 7, 23, and they say to him, Lord, didn't we do all these things? Then the Lord responds to them in Matthew 7, 23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. When he says, I never knew you, that means I never knew you as one of my students. You're not part of my class. They didn't have that relationship of being one of his students, just like a student who's not a part of, of Scott's class or any class, and he sneaks in to the teacher's class and takes a seat in the back there, and as soon as the teacher sees him, the teacher, like Scott, would say, what are you doing here? You're not part of my class. And a true believer is a learner, and he learns from his instructor, the Lord Jesus, and he's part of the class that the Lord Jesus is the teacher. That's the first vital relationship that the Lord tells his disciples that they must keep themselves within. This is a sphere. Being in the class of Jesus is a sphere that they have to keep themselves in. As learners, they sit at the feet of Jesus and they eat his words like they eat bread when they're famished. And so he's saying, keep being a learner and you will rise up. Stop being a learner and you will fall. As it says in Proverbs 24, 16, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Why does the just man fall seven times and rise up again? Because he's a learner. And after each fall, he learns how to get up again. Why does the wicked fall and not get up again? He's not a learner. And after that one fall, he doesn't learn how to get up again. So this is the first preparation that the Lord Jesus is giving to his disciples to stand when he sends them out as sheep among the wolves. Be a learner. Learn from me. First and foremost relationship to keep. Don't become an old, crusty, know-it-all believer. That's like the closed clamshell that cannot be opened. Be like the child who's excited to learn something new from God. Be like a flower that opens when it feels the warm rays of the sun on it. Be like the flower that opens where your heart opens when it reads the warm truths of the Bible. First vital relationship, we know ourselves as learner, we know him as teacher. Now in verse 24, the Lord gives us the second vital relationship that must be kept, and he says in verse 24, the servant as his Lord. 
So in this relationship, in verse 24, we are called the servant, and he is called our Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.